It is Friday, and that means game day is just around the corner. What are our final thoughts ahead of the Dolphins' Week 11 contest against the Las Vegas Raiders? That today here on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked on Dolphins, co-host of Locked on NFL Scouting. Find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your fair podcast. Tip of the cap to our everydayers because it is your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it here on the Locked on Network. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by Prize Picks, easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Visit prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL in all lowercase for a first deposit match of up to $100. We have game planning thoughts. We have personnel moves. We have the rest of the league landscape. We got a lot to dive into here on this episode of Locked On Dolphins and really excited. We'll start with what happened last night, though. Uh, there was an AFC North game that was played and, and, from the Dolphins' perspective, yeah, you focus on the schedule that's ahead of you, and you focus on the Raiders, and then the week after that, you focus on a short week against the Jets on Friday, and then a week after that, uh, you worry about the Commanders. And you go from there, and one game at a time. But from the outside looking in and looking at the big picture and the grand scale of things, the Cincinnati Bengals lost to the Baltimore Ravens by a final score of 34-20. to uh, last night. And that was a, that's a meaningful game for Miami on a couple of different fronts. You're looking at the North and its entire division, and it's going to be a rat race for division championship, but then also kind of climbing over one another for potential wildcard opponents. And if the dolphins are going to continue the, the progress that they are on and they're going to win this division there, you've got a pretty good chance of playing one of these AFC North teams. Well, Joe Burrow went out with a wrist injury. And Baltimore lost Mark Andrews with what sounds like a season-ending injury. You don't want anybody to be hurt. But the magnitude of those injuries is worth at least acknowledging as a Dolphins fan as the schedule goes from here. Because Miami, they have a chance to beat the Raiders on Sunday and move themselves to 7-3. and three. Well, the rest of the division in the AFC North has three three-loss teams. Deshaun Watson, it was announced this week, is out for the year at quarterback. It's going to be rookie Dorian Thompson-Robinson at the helm. And they play the Steelers. So one of those teams is automatically going to four. Uh, the Steelers, like the only team in forever to get outgained in every game that they play so far this season, and yet they managed to be six and three. And Pittsburgh's next two games are against the Browns with Dorian Thompson Robinson, and then against the Bengals with potentially Joe Burrow missing time with the wrist injury that he had. So that division, you're looking at that jostling. And you're just aware that at the end of that, whoever doesn't win that division is a potential candidate to play in the first round. So how they navigate their schedules, it's just interesting to me. Now, obviously, you, you we're hoping that the Ravens can drop some games. The Dolphins will obviously play a head-to-head. They are next in Los Angeles against the Ram or against the Chargers. Uh, but then Baltimore also has Jacksonville, San Francisco, and Miami in a three-game stretch. Uh, weeks 15 through 17, and they're on a short week to be at home in week 17 at home against Miami. So that whole division in the conference picture, 
Baltimore was a missed opportunity for them to drop to four losses, uh, but it does put Cincinnati on the brink, especially with, with Joe Burrow's injury, if that's going to result in him missing any amount of time. And if the Dolphins do win the division and they do host a wild card game, that's not the kind of quarterback you want to see on the other sideline, a Joe Burrow, who's been there, done that, and made deep playoff runs. So Cincinnati now sitting at five losses. They still have to play Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Kansas City. They get a couple tough ones left on their schedule as well, and that's assuming they had Joe Burrow playing. We don't know what his status is going to be. It was alluded to as a sprained wrist. So uh, every game matters in this AFC conference, unless you are a Patriots game, with all due respect, or right now a Titans game, because everybody else has four wins or more. And right now, the, the threshold for a wildcard team is five. The, the Texans are the seven seed at five right now. Now, there's a lot of ball game left, of course. you got half a season. But teams are starting. It's the accordion, right? It, it, uh, it compressed, and now it's going to start to expand, and you're going to see teams start to create some separation. And Miami's objective is to be a part of the teams that separate. And the longer that you can be a part of the club with two, three losses, the better your odds are of securing what we want the pathway in the playoffs to look like for the Dolphins. And it's also worth noting the Kansas City Chiefs, they play Philadelphia Eagles this week. And for my money, I believe the Eagles are a better team this year. So I would pick the Eagles to win that game. And if that's the case, then you may be looking at the uh, a three-loss club and nothing else. And that's the top of the conference. So there's obviously a lot to look for. Wanted to get that out of the way with the game that was played last night before we kind of shift gears and talk about um, the Texans and, and game planning. We also had a personnel move yesterday for the Dolphins. Uh, and I'll tuck that one in here before our first break. Uh, Robbie Chosen uh, was cut, waived yesterday. He's no longer part of the 53. We'll see if they get him back on the practice squad. One would have to assume the domino effect here is Devon Achan. One would have to assume that is the player that you're facilitating the open roster spot for. And Mike McDaniel has had in his press availabilities, he's been non-committal, but if you can read between the lines, it sounds kind of optimistic uh, that we'll see Devon Achan. I, I know Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report reported yesterday that Devon Achan, barring a, a setback, is expected to be activated and play against the Raiders. I think the personnel move is the writing on the wall for you, right? Here's your sign. Uh, the Dolphins have a, a practice today. And a couple of guys who, you know, we're, we're kind of keeping an eye on for availability purposes. We'll talk about them a little later. But Devon Achan seems like he's trending towards playing. And the Dolphins waving Robbie Chosen, who obviously had the big play against uh, Denver for the long touchdown catch. But that was his only real contribution thus far this season. Um, kind of alludes that the, the reinforcements are coming for Miami. So uh, looking at the AFC conference, looking at the Devon Achan domino yet to fall, but the first, the, the first chess move that precedes that happened yesterday with Robbie Chose. We're going to talk a little bit about the Raiders specifically, some things about their defense and how Miami um, can attack it. Heard from a lot of enthusiastic Raiders fans on the YouTube channel uh, throughout the course of the week. So I see you guys. I respect the passion. And uh, we'll see. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this game that's coming up on Sunday for the Dolphins. That next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So stick with us. 
Before we go any further on the show, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's not you against thousands of other people, including pros and sharps. It's you versus the house. You pick over or you pick more or less on the stat projections that Prize Picks makes available, and you can do combos of two to six. And if you hit those player stat projections more or less correctly, you can win up to 25 times your money with prize picks. So sit on your phone, pull it out, pull up prize picks, do stat projections for NFL games, and go more or less on uh, whatever your heart desires for passing yards, interceptions, touchdowns, rushing yards, whatever. And if you hit all six, you win 25 times your money. So if you're a big fan of good ROI, uh, prize picks is probably something that's going to be interesting to you. And because it's done on your phone, they have Apple Pay set up so you can make sure that you always have funds in your account and you can stay in the game. Entries can be made in just a few taps on your phone. And they have a wide array of stat projections across just about every sport that you could possibly dream of. So visit prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL in all lowercase. For a first deposit match, you have to $100. That is prizepicks.com, all lowercase, promo code locked on NFL. For first deposit match of up to $100. We had Coach Cody Alexander on the show uh, a little earlier this year, uh, and it was talking about the Vic Fangio scheme and how it works and, and the mechanics of the system and, and so on and so forth. And he does outstanding league-wide work as well. And one of the, my favorite things that, that Coach does uh, every Friday, or I guess every every weekend, so it depends on when he drops it. He releases the coverage usage for all 32 NFL teams year to date. And what I found particularly interesting about the update for heading into week 10, he hasn't done the updated one for the game that was played in week 10. But heading into week 10, the Las Vegas Raiders, defensive coordinators, Patrick Graham, named Dolphins fans should be familiar with, it was their defensive coordinator in 2019, the first year of the Brian Flores experience. He leaves, takes the same job with the New York Giants. That always kind of felt weird at the time. Probably was a little weird, probably indicative of some of the, the things beneath the surface for the Dolphins and Brian Flores. But uh, Patrick Graham, he likes a whole lot of cover three in the grand scheme of things of their coverage menu and selections. Now, it's not as lopsided as some teams like the uh, Indianapolis Colts and the Carolina Panthers, they play over 50% of their covered shells cover three. The Raiders, that number is only 37%. But when you foil that to cover one being 15%, and cover two is 11%, and they're in cover six or quarter, quarter, half, less than 7% of the time, what you can be rest assured of is you're going to get a lot of zone between quarters and cover three, the Raiders are at about 55% of their coverage shells are those two calls. So more than half the time you're getting zone, cover three, and quarters. For the Dolphins, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Devon Chan out of the backfield and Raheem Mostert and all of the speed that they have. This being a very zone-oriented team, I think sets itself up quite favorably for you. When you think about the team's that have had success and disrupted Miami. They like to play in your face. 
They like to apply pressure to the receivers early on. And if the Raiders want to do that with Amik Robertson, who who practiced on a limited basis yesterday with, with in concussion protocol and Marcus Peters and whether Jack Jones plays or not and Jacorian Bennett, like these, these are the guys, the horses that the Raiders have. You could talk all you want about the book being out on how to challenge the Dolphins offense and interrupt the timing, but having the personnel to do it is something completely different. And Raiders fans would tell you that the Antonio Pierce model of the team is, is greatly revamped and rejuvenated. And, and I agree with the, with being rejuvenated, but this is also a, a, a challenge of how the roster was attempted to be constructed in the vision of what Josh McDaniels wanted. And now without Josh McDaniels there, you have very skill-specific players that, yeah, you can play within the same framework of what you did. You're not going to upheave the entire offense or the entire defense. But I think the Raiders have... They didn't get to firing Josh McDaniels just because the culture was bad. They got to firing Josh McDaniels uh, because, in large part, he spent a good portion of his time there getting rid of other talent to bring his own hand-selected talent in to run very skill-specific things. It's the same thing that you saw in Detroit with Matt Patricia. You almost saw it to a much more severe degree than what you saw uh, in Miami. Think about the the strife that existed with Xavier Howard and, and what happens if they, they ship the Xavier Howard out um, so Brian Flores could could have a different player in that that role on the team, right? Like that That's part of the MO of the Patriot way is – all these, all these guys, we got to get them out, right? And the Patri- the Ravers didn't get far enough into that process to fully restock the well. So I do think you have a talent disparity, and Raiders fans would tell you that they don't, and that's fine. We'll, we'll play the game on Sunday. We're going to see what happens. I expect the Raiders to play really hard. Blue-collar team, physical. But if a team's going to play zone to the degree in which the Raiders do, because they don't play, they are near the bottom of the league as far as playing cover one. So they don't play a lot of one man. And they are also below average on things that are not quarters and cover three as far as their implementation. So you have the chance to attack these zones with this speed and the timing of the offense and it hitting in a way that you can mitigate one all pro pass rusher if you send extra bodies. And what I would do with Max Crosby is I'd run right at him. I would try to bring extra reinforcements from the other side of the formation. Whether that's a pulling guard or a tight end, or I'm trying to bring Alec Ingold right in his grill. I know Alec Ingold was banged up earlier this week. Sounds like he's going to go and it won't be a problem. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm attacking Max Crosby. I'm trying to slow down his pass rush by, hey, I'm not blocked, but what if they're running power or counter to my side uh, and force him to not get grass and immediately attack? And if he does and he's playing that consistently, then you just he's going to run himself out of the play. You run right up, right up the middle. So I do think the Dolphins have the ability to um, – have timing offense success that that's been missing against some of the, the the New England Patriots of the team with Bill Belichick. Patrick Graham's a good defensive coordinator, but he's not Bill Belichick. 
Uh, and that's even with the Patriots missing some talent. And you saw the Dolphins score 31 points in that game and put up a lot of yards. Uh, Kansas City with Legarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie. Like the Raiders, they, they just don't have those kinds of horses on the outside. And if they're a very zone-predicated defense, then let's let's attack those holes in zone and play games with Spillane and Divine Diablo, who are rangy and athletic guys. Diablo's a former safety who converted really once he got in the league to play linebacker, played at Virginia Tech. I think the Dolphins have a chance to, to have a very fruitful day offensively. And I know I said 27 in the uh, the crossover yesterday. If you had to set the over-under at 27 and a half, I'd be pretty inclined to take the over if I had to guess. So we are going to talk a little bit more about this Raiders team, talk about the Raiders and their offense, uh, some final game plan thoughts on that side of the football as well. That's coming up next on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Just because the game is at home and you're at home doesn't mean that you can't have the ultimate game day experience. And one of the ways that you can make sure that you do that is with our friends over at DoorDash. So if the game goes to timeout or you go to the two-minute warning, that is your cue to get on your phone and make sure you order yourself a delicious meal from one of your favorite local restaurants. The DoorDash has a slew of local restaurants as well as local retail stores and groceries as well to help make sure that you're prepped for post-game meal, halftime snack, prepped for your tailgate, next week's tailgate, next week's home gate, whatever it may be. So you get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change and terms do apply. So the Raiders, um, offensively, we alluded to a lot of this in, in the crossover Thursday as far as the DNA of the team, and they, they are force-feeding Josh Jacobs the football. The Raiders, from a wide receiver skill set perspective, this may be a game where you see a little bit more of the tight front than the nickel front versus the standard week for Miami. You know, Miami loves to play in the nickel with three corners and uh, four defensive linemen, and two of them are interior defensive linemen. It's usually Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins. But if the Raiders are going to come out, they're going to say, hey, we're, we're going to run big boy football at you because if, if, if they want to run 11 personnel with Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams, the Dolphins can match that no problem. But if you're really going to be starting Greg Van Roten and Dylan Parham, and if it's not Dylan Parham, because he's banged up, then who goes into that spot? Is Jermaine Illuminor going to move around spots? Is Thayer Munford going to be a utility player for you? If the Raiders want to run the ball successfully against Miami, I believe they're going to have to go into some heavier sets, whether that's Jacob Johnson's, who's also banged up on his own. They've got two tight ends in Austin Hooper, uh, who's a veteran player, and Michael Mayer, who's, of course, the rookie out of Notre Dame. I just don't think you can line up at 11 and say you're going to win the line of scrimmage against Miami. So I think you're going to want to load it up and then dare the Dolphins to take their best defensive personnel group off the field and try to run the ball against their base, which would be the uh, three down linemen, 
just Raquan Davis on the nose, Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. You got your two rush stand up outside linebackers. And then you've got your two linebackers and David Long and Jerome Baker. And then your core four on the back end with Deshaun Elliott and Siobhan Holland with Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howe. I think you'll see more of that personnel group just based on who the Raiders are as a football team and how they're going to want to run the football. And if they do that, then the really big performers is the core four in the back seven, the two linebackers and the two safeties. Because Devontae Adams, he's not going to get a lot of deep shots vertically down the field, right? These are going to be opportunities where we're looking for crossing routes and play action pass and suck the linebackers up and throw in the voids behind them. How savvy can those guys be? What kinds of tools, whether it's you know, the safety tools or, or, or coverage specific, can you run to leverage Devontae Adams appropriately? Because if you're going to want to run out and let Jacoby Myers, who's a free agent signing, and Hunter Renfro, who's been on the trade block there for two years, if those are the guys that are going to beat you, you'll, you'll take your chances with that. Well, they got a guy in Trey Tucker who they can manufacture some touches for. He's a third-round pick. He can really fly. You can be, be aware of some um, manufactured targets for that player. But this whole offense is we, we want to have success resetting the line of scrimmage and running the ball, and then we want to build off of that to throw play-action passes to Devontae Adams deep down the field and create explosive plays. How do the Dolphins do that? Or how do the Dolphins choose to defend that, I should say? That's that's the question. Uh, I don't have the answer. What I would expect is on early downs in particular, on first down, I would expect to see a lot of Raekwon Davis. So expect the snap, the spike in snaps for Raekwon Davis is my, my big talking point as far as defensively and, and countering this team. And does that stink sometimes to consider who Raekwon Davis is as a defensive lineman and, and measure that against Cater Co, who is a, a nickel corner and ask who's, who's better at their respective role. I'd probably say Cater Co, and, and not think twice about it, but Raekwon has had some high level games this year. They haven't always been consistent, but he's had some high level games and the games that he's had that have been high level games, in my opinion, are the games in which he comes out and he gets a smaller center a guy who he can really physically handle. And Andre James at six foot four, 300 pounds is not one of those power 315, 320 types. I think that lends itself well, especially if you play in that tight front where then you have Sealer and Wilkins that are shaded over top of each of the guards slash the inside shoulder of the tackles. They're in the B gaps. So you're prompting more consistently one-on-ones with Raekwon against the center. That's... That's how I would attack first downs. Now, it doesn't really matter what I would do, but I'm just giving my two cents on what I would expect to see based off of the logic of the Raiders and who they are as a team and what they want to try to do. Should be, uh, it's definitely going to be good for the Dolphins to be back in action. We missed them last week. Um, other games to watch across the AFC conference. We already mentioned one other AFC North game, the Browns and Steelers play. Uh, one of those teams, they're both currently in the playoffs. One of those teams is guaranteed to fall a two, six and four and have four losses. The other will move to seven and three and the Dolphins will have to keep pace with that team. Although that will still be a wild card team as things currently stand. Baltimore's eight and three. They haven't had their buy yet. Tennessee at Jacksonville. Meh. Houston hosting Arizona. Meh. The Chargers visiting the Packers. Meh. I expect all these AFC teams to win. So I expect the Texans to win against the Cardinals. I expect the Chargers to beat the Packers in green Bay. Packers just really banged up. 
Uh, the Broncos hosting the Vikings is kind of the weird, wild, wacky game. That's Sunday night football this week. Um, Joe Marino on Locked on NFL Scouting yesterday had a great point. He talked about how uh, Russell Wilson is a, one of the lower-performing quarterbacks in the league this year against the Blitz. Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator there, they blitz probably 50% of the time. I don't think that's an exaggeration. So that is something that that would I would expect Denver to lose, and that would drop them to four and six. Um, and then I do expect Philadelphia to beat Kansas City. That That's a pick of mine, personally. Um, so that would drop Kansas City to seven and three. I expect Jacksonville to beat Tennessee. I I want Cleveland to win against Pittsburgh at home because Pittsburgh just offensively is so bad, and Cleveland defensively is really good. But Pittsburgh has been opportunistic toward turnovers, and Cleveland's last in the league in turnovers, so it, it flip a coin either way, one way or the other. I don't think that's an overly impactful game for Miami in the grand scheme of things. Assuming the Dolphins win their game, we expect the, the games to go the way that they will. Miami will probably come out of this week still the four seed, but they will be tied in the loss column with every team in front of them. Jacksonville, who's playing the Titans, the Chiefs, who I'm picking to lose to the, the Eagles, that would drop them to seven and three, and then the Ravens uh, sitting at eight and three, and they would be the one seed going into week 12. And Miami gets first crack of, of games um, from those teams, I believe, next week. So you'll know by Saturday versus like how Miami stacks versus top of the conference. The only game we did not mention is a big one. It's an AFC East contest between the Jets and the Bills. And these two teams are a combined 9 and 10 on the season. The Bills are 5 and 5. The Jets are 4 and 5. The Jets won the first game this season. The Bills sent a message, fired their offensive coordinator. This is a win-win. Um selfishly for my purposes, I'd probably like to see the team that you still play twice win this football game and push the other team to the brink. Uh, so if the Jets won, they, they pushed the Bills to five and six, which of course mathematically means the most wins the Bills could get if they ran the table would be 11 wins. And for them to do that, they'd have to go to Philadelphia and beat the Eagles. They'd have to go to Kansas City and beat the Chiefs after the bye. They'd have to beat the Cowboys at home. They'd have to go to, to the Los Angeles Chargers on a short week and win on the road. They'd have to beat the Patriots at home, and then they'd have to go to Miami and beat the Dolphins. They'd have to run that entire table to win 11 games. The Jets winning the game puts more of the Dolphins' destiny back in their own hands because they play the Jets twice. The Jets would be 5-5, five and five, and you'd be two games in front of them and going into a head-to-head matchup. And if you win that one, then you really break the, break everybody's back. But if you told me the Jets lost, I wouldn't be mad about it either. I expect the Bills to win, personally, at home, with how the first game went. That is going to do it for this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoyed. Final thoughts, final notes, some game planning stuff ahead of Week 11 with the Dolphins playing the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. That's going to do it for me. Fins up.